0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: That loves you, and um, I want to thank all everybody first of all for following, subscribing. It's helped me get so many wonderful guests like we've been having, like we have coming up, and like we have tonight. So first of all, I'm going to play a quick message from our friend Charles, and then I'll be right back in one minute.
2: So Chuck. Talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Well, well, up. I'll tell you right now, Ernie. It don't matter who's gonna coach this team. They don't got no talent
1: on we it. And I don't. I don't really feel I talk. That's kind of harsh. I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right Do now. Want to talk
2: about lunch? No.
1: <laughs> what would you like to talk about, Chuck? See,
2: Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madame Perry Salon, and I think Jennifer Perry... She's a great host. I mean, she got all these best seller authors, Rostar, all the dip comedians. What about people we that go, don't have rings? <laughs> Here we go again. Real, fun ah, Real funny, ah, ah, ah. but I think she's great, and I think people would love her show. She got a great laugh. She make the laugh come out of nowhere, like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's 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 a beautiful thing. It's
0: not terrible.
1: that's a very, very sweet thing to say, and uh, I appreciate that you love me, even though I don't have a ring or a game. But uh, this is Madam Perry, and I've got to tell you, this show tonight has got a lot of people messaging me. know, already on hold uh, to talk to tonight's guest, so why don't we just get on into it? Uh you may know him as the founding member and lead guitarist songwriter for the band Thirty Eight Special. And it's kind of it they make the kind of music that you keep on loving and keep on dancing to and rocking to. It might be maybe you're a special song with somebody, but you still jump up and groove every time you hear it. Uh, between eighty one and 84, 38 special had three million selling albums or sold three million albums. Wild Eyed Southern Boys, Special Forces, Tour de Force, uh, songs like Rockin' Into the Night, Hold On Loosely, Caught Up in You, If I'd Been the One, uh, Caught Up in You, If I'd Been the One, were Number one's on the Billboard album rock chart. So, um, but of course, Jeff Carlisi is working harder than ever. He never slowed down, and he is here to talk to us. He's here in Madam Perry's salon. Jeff, come on in. Sit down.
2: Well, um, Madam Perry, how are you? I would love to say that this is uh, this is going to be enjoyable, but uh, you are breaking up horribly bad. I cannot hear you very well. I heard everything else going on around you, but you are not coming through.
1: You can hear, you can every- hear everything but me? Yep. Okay. okay. But you can, he can hear everything around me but not me. Well, I'll tell you what. And you're you're um, breaking
2: up. You're distorted.
1: Okay. Sorry to report that Jeff, somebody, Jep, somebody has-, has to tell a person this. Somebody has, has to tell has a, to a girl. Tell a girl. So. Now there's an
2: echo. Uh,
1: okay, how yeah. about now?
2: Say something again.
1: All right, how about, right, how about now? This a little bit better? No,
2: oh, no worse. No, oh,
1: not at all. Not good. Not good worse. Okay. okay. Worse.
2: Echo. This big time. L- so still you still got to echo. Li- yeah,
1: yeah. I hear. It I hear it too. too. Okay. okay. Not working. Nope, not at all. All right, well, let's see see if things work when our callers call in because I've got somebody on the line, and what I'll do is I'll cut myself out of here and see if that's working while my engineer goes. And Let's see. I bet I know who this is. I bet this is our is our friend Joe.
3: Hey, can you hear me, Jeff? Yeah, I can hear. Who's speaking? Jeff, this is Joe Milliken. Oh, hey, Joe, how are you? Yeah, I can
2: hear you fine.
3: <laughs> I tell you, um, from experience, um, I was a guest on Madam Perry's show about a month ago to talk about the Ben Orr book that I wrote, and yeah, I, I heard had the, the same. Oh, you did? Great. I, I had the same sort of problems hearing. Not as bad as, I guess, you're hearing, because I could hear her, um, but I was having some issues, too. Um, but I am glad that you can hear me. <laughs> oh, I can. I
2: can. How, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing okay. Um, I wanted to call in um, and say hi to you. I know we haven't talked in a while, um, but first I just wanted to... Say hello, and um, I know we haven't talked in a while, but I wanted to thank you um, for participating in my book. And I know how close you were to Ben Orr and um, how much you loved him. And it really meant a lot to me that you gave me um, your insights on Ben and you provided me with some photos for the book. So the first thing I wanted to say was just to thank you for um everything you did in participating in my book
2: well you're certainly welcome joe and uh, ben obviously was a very special person to me uh and i did uh enjoy uh here um uh, here in your interview i do have to point out a couple of things though that okay um, i think uh there was one point during the interview where you said that pat travers reached out to ben to see if he'd be interested in joining the project okay and that didn't happen um Ben and Pat came in simultaneously And what happened I went back and referred to the book And you seem to have gotten the facts Pretty pretty, uh, pretty spot on In your book But uh, Michael Cardelloni Who a lot of you might know Is the drummer in, in Leonard Skinner currently. Right. And before that He was with John Fogerty And Dan Yankees and several different groups And he was living in Atlanta at the time uh-huh. And he and I uh, had gotten together. We had a mutual friend. He was dating a girl that we both uh, knew, and we'd get together, and we were hanging out. We jammed at a club one night, and and uh, he said, uh, yeah, we ought to put something together while I'm here. I'm not really doing anything. He was just kind of pursuing his, his uh, art, and uh I said, yeah, well, maybe so. So we got together with my friend, Derek St. Holmes. We were at a place in Atlanta called The Tavern, uh, which was just basically a restaurant and a gentleman by the name of Dave per- perchelle came up uh, sat with us and uh, asking us what we were what we were doing what our, our plans were and we told him you oh, know we may put something together and Dave uh, actually was the person who said you know you ought to really round this thing out and make this thing a you know whatever you want to call it quote a super group or or, uh, but get two other notables and really make this something special. So we said, okay. okay. And we all started throwing names into the hat. Um, and I was, uh, uh, at that time, a, a big Cars fan. And mm-hmm. I mentioned Ben's name, and Derek said, well, he said, I can get in touch with Elliot Easton, uh, which he did to, re- to uh, uh, get Ben's contact. And... Um, And I believe it was Derek that said, I wonder what Pat Travers is doing. And that actually happened simultaneously. So we reached out to both of them at the same time. And they they ended up coming to Atlanta uh, for the very first get-together or rehearsal, if you will. And on that same day, Michael told us that he had – had been offered an audition with Skinner, and we just kind of, kind of laughed and chuckled because he we said, "Well, isn't that, isn't that quaint? All of a sudden, the guy that's
0: <laughs> one of the,
2: the originators of putting this project together
3: is that's now got to leave,
2: leave. <laughs> yeah, right? Got to and we haven't played the first note yet." And <laughs> so Michael said, uh, "He goes, well, it's not it's not written in stone yet, and we'll we'll see what happens." And I said, "Well, Michael, I said." I've, I know how you play I think you'll and I of course being very close to all the guys in Skinner I said I think you'll probably get the gig so uh, in the meantime Pat uh, we started playing a few tunes and, and going over some things and Pat kind of nonchalantly said ah don't worry about it uh, so what do you mean don't worry about it he goes well I'll call my 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 friend uh, Lib, Lib, uh, Liberty DeVito and I remember, right. Saying, yeah, right. You're going to call Liberty DeVito. And he goes, yeah. He says, he lives down the street from me in Orlando. So, make a long story, just a little bit longer. He gets on the phone, goes over off to the side at the rehearsal studio, and he's talking to somebody, and it's Liberty. And he hangs up. He goes, he's in. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, yeah. He said, he was just off the stage with Billy Joel at Madison Square Gardens. He goes, they're, they're done for a while. And, uh, He wants to be a part of the project So
3: next thing you know Liberty shows up and we've got big people Well I I will say that um, I guess I'm, I'm happy that you said I got the facts right in the book so that's the important part, and I think maybe over time I might have just kind of mixed things up a little bit. And I was a little nervous, I must admit, talking on the radio, so maybe that's <laughs> kind of how it happened. But I am relieved that you said that I seem to have gotten the facts right in the book, so that's the important part to me. Well,
2: and I'll tell you, Joe, you shouldn't feel bad at all, because I've, in the last uh, few days I've had several conversations with, uh, with not only Michael Cardelloni, but with, with Derek and Joe Delero. Uh, who was our front-of-house uh, sound mixer and road manager, and Liberty, about some uh, some chronological facts, if you will, on when certain things happened. And guess what? Everybody had a different answer.
3: And we were in the band,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, literally. And I'm going, okay, wait a minute. So, you know, I'm talking to Michael, and Michael says, wait a minute, I have, like, almost a photographic memory. I remember exactly what happened. And then someone else said, "No, this is what happened," and we, you know, we we finally got to it. So the the point is, is that that was a long time ago, 20 years, and yeah. you convince yourself that something happened, and uh, uh, you know it it it, uh, it it just changes. Everybody's perception is a little bit different. But uh, anyway, like right. I said, your 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 research and and uh, uh, the interviews that you did with all of us. Uh, we're spot on in the book, and, and there's there's actually one other thing I'd like to bring up too, just because uh, I enjoyed like say hearing hearing your take on it, and it's very difficult. Uh, and you pointed it out yourself, talking mm-hmm. about somebody that you or writing a book about somebody that you've never met. Uh, right. It's that's that's hard. That's and, and, you know, kudos to you for for pulling it off. But um, you'd mentioned that Ben was an introvert. Mm-hmm. And and he was not. And the reason why he wasn't is I, I like to think more of Ben as he spoke when he had something to say, uh, I see. which sometimes cu- comes off as being shy or aloof. Um, but he, uh, he, I'm not so sure. And I guess technically you could say that somebody can walk on stage and perform like he did. Um, and still be an introvert. Maybe that's their release. But I saw when Ben was was uh, was sick, and uh, uh, and we were touring, and he was he was battling his cancer.
3: Right. And he
2: would spend time talking to people who had either battled cancer themselves, were just curious, um, were going through some other trauma in their life, and Ben would take enormous amounts of time being very candid uh, with these folks and talking to them. That's not an introvert. An introvert runs and hides. And Ben is the farthest farthest thing from being an introvert. Uh, He was just, you know, he was a bit of a quiet person. When you got to know him and once you were, um, you know, accepted in in his circle, so to speak, uh, because Uh he was wary, He was, um, and and we all, um, you know, we all have different personalities. And so he was a little bit wary. But then we became, we started to bond quite a bit. And obviously, being five musicians uh, in a band, uh, that's the greatest bond you can have as far as really understanding how everybody operates and how their minds work and whatever. And that was the side of Ben that he was very... uh, very forthcoming with people, uh, loved the human contact. And like I said, the only thing that would maybe have defined him, not defined him, but, but given you the impression that he was a, an introvert, was that he didn't. He wasn't a man of many words.
3: But when he said something, right. it meant something. Well, I did learn through all the interviews I did that, um, you know, people would say that once, um, once he got to know you and trusted you, then he would open up to you absolutely. And, and be, absolutely, and become much closer. Yeah, that's really cool. I would appreciate the insight. Um, I have a couple more quick. I know there's probably other people that need to talk to you, so um, I don't want to take up a lot more of your time. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was um, I really appreciate the help that you have given to Donna Neal. Um, I'm friends with Donna. She is the PR person for my book. And helps me promote the book And I know that you have helped her In creating a big people page On Facebook um, And I've really enjoyed that I've contributed a couple photos to it um, And she's a good friend of mine And I really appreciate you taking the time To help her with that page So I wanted well, to mention that quickly Yeah that's um, my pleasure Donna
2: is uh, is fantastic And, and uh, uh, Liberty actually Liberty DeVito Put me in touch with her um, right. I'm not a Facebook person. I don't have a Facebook account, and uh, uh, so it was through Liberty that uh, I reached out to Donna. <clears throat> but I was very, very impressed. And I mean, first of all, when somebody can show you things—be it in print or things that happened that you don't even remember or didn't know happened—that's pretty impressive. I mean, it, she really, really does her homework. And beyond that is it's just a, an absolute true fan. Of um, uh, the Cars
3: music and and uh, in particular of Ben, so it's been there's, my pleasure to help her out and yeah, be a part of it. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I knew that right away, and that's bec- and that is why I wanted her. Um, I wanted to work with her. I mean, both of my book events that I did, um, I did one here in Vermont, in my in the town where I live, but I also did one in Cleveland, in Ben's hometown, and I did one in Boston um, where the Cars broke out. And she helped me organize both of those events. And she was instrumental in helping me get a book deal. Um, she's done a lot for me. So I just wanted to mention that and tell you that I appreciate that you, um, that you helped her the way you did. So that's very cool. Here's my last thing. I actually do have a question. Um, okay. I, I know that big people, um, you guys were really starting to build momentum. Um, when, when Ben was diagnosed, I mean, you were opening shows for Sticks, you were um, participating in these festivals, and I know that you guys, I feel like, even though I never got to see you guys live, I feel like you guys were really starting to build some momentum, and um, a few people that I interviewed um, for the book told me this as well. Um, so my question for you is, did you guys get far enough along in your process um, to where you guys were actually starting to write some original material, and um, had you gotten to the point where you were starting to maybe um, talk to music labels um, to pursue a record deal? Uh, good question,
2: Joe. As far as pursuing labels, no, we never, we weren't that far along. However, we were starting to share ideas, uh, and when I, by that I mean um, everybody – pulling the cassette tapes out of the drawer and, Hey, what do you think of this idea? And jamming some riffs. Ben had a, had a, um, a song, a great song. I still have a tape up called, uh, uh do you know what it feels like? And, mm-hmm. uh, we were going to actually work that up. We just, we all loved the song. So we were just starting to, to, uh, look under every rock and see what everybody had. And, uh, we, we had gotten to the point where having played uh, our songs together, by our songs, I mean the, the cover songs that we were doing from the respective bands, we we had a musical chemistry that was starting to happen. So the time was just just coming around to do that. Unfortunately, it almost exactly coincided with, with Ben's illness.
1: And right. the
2: focus of attention went to supporting him uh, and, as you well know, he, he wanted to go out and, and play uh, as much as he could for as many days as he had left. Uh, and that's what, uh, that's what we did for him. So it, it took a precedent. Um, and unfortunately, we weren't able to really explore what we could have done as a band. But um, we did have the opportunity to,
3: um, to have shared a lot of life with Ben in a very short period of time you guys very packed a lot of life of packed a lot of life into a short period of time so so you guys felt like um... it was gonna happen though right <laughs> uh,
2: yeah i mean from the very first gig you know the very first show we did was up in in new brunswick in that um three-day festival that uh... nazareth was on it and sticks and zz top and and you know we were we were the newbies i mean it was our very first show and right. we we had a good show, and I I remember like it was yesterday, calling home, talking to my wife, and uh, she says, "Well, how did it go? What was it like?" And I said, "It's weird. It's like I never had another band before this. This is all. This has always been my life, and I've always been in this band. It just seemed so um, so meant to be, if you will." Uh, wow. And I didn't know, you know, because obviously um, close to 30 years uh, in 38 Special, that's, uh, you know, over at the time, well over half my life. And in one show to all of a sudden go, 38 who? This is, this is it now. Um, that's that's so, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was magical. And, uh, and, of course, the second show we did was the Itchiku Park Show, and, which eventually evolved into Bonnaroo. Um, and th- a lot of that stuff is floating around on the Internet, those, that concert footage. And you can tell we were, uh, we, at that point in time, we were, for what we were doing, a very good band. I mean, in other words, we were well rehearsed. Um, Donna uh, Neil dug up a, a tape from um, Pompano Beach, Florida, that I had never mm-hmm. seen. And the video wasn't great, somebody's a handheld camera somewhere. But you could hear the audio well enough and I I remember Liberty calling me and goes, Have you heard that? We were good. <laughs>
3: you know, so it, it was... <laughs> you certainly were. I've watched that footage. Um and you're right, the the visual's not that great, but you can hear it pretty well and um you guys were tight for sure. Yeah,
2: you really can. So that's you know, obviously that's uh, uh that's the bittersweet part of it is that we knew we had something special, as far as the chemistry of the players, and we knew we could play, uh, and we just weren't able to to realize what might have been uh, right, the right. the creative process and and uh, <clears throat> working together and, and creating some new and original material, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it was. Um, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a shame But I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity And, and uh, uh, I'll never forget Ben As far as an inspiration in my life And and just uh, You know, I think you pointed out we, we I think you and I laughed about this Where Liberty would always say Ben's the rock star of the band but what he meant by that Was He was the guy that was just so natural he, he just He had sparks flying off of him He was just had this aura It was like I don't know, it was like Dwayne Alden or somebody, you know, just that that magical persona. And he didn't have to try hard to be cool. He had a swagger, but he he opened his mouth, and that voice was like
1: none
3: other's. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um,
3: I'm going to let you go, Jeff. I know other people want to get involved. I really appreciate your time, and it was great to talk to you. Um, and, And thanks for everything you did for me. I really appreciate it. You bet, Joe. My pleasure, and, and uh, give Donna my best when you speak to her. I absolutely will. Thank you, Madam Perry. I'm sorry I took so long, but I really appreciate the time.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you.
3: Okay. Okay, right. take care.
1: Thank you. All right, I've got a Kristen Kristen here. She's a singer, a musician, performer from Atlanta. Uh, uh-huh. Kristen, go ahead. I, I, hi,
2: Kristen. Hi, hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm great, especially for a Monday night. I'm sorry. I said I'm doing great, especially for a Monday night.
2: Uh, for a Monday night. Well, Tuesday's just as bad as they say in the blues. Well, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I had a question about um about your camp jam for kids. Mhm. Um so I just wanted to know more about that.
2: Well, actually that was a long time ago. Um Camp Jam, uh actually as, as a company still exists. Um but oh. we my partner and I sold the company several years ago. Oh, uh, it, yeah. Um it is run by a, a gentleman from from California who had a, a similar company, uh bought us out. Oh, and,
0: still uh, going crazy. I'm sorry? Uh, But it's still going, though, so that's great.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. It is still going with the same uh, curriculum and the same um, format, but uh, I uh, had some other things that were taking up my time, plus I moved from Atlanta, so it was hard to keep hands on, and my partner started a new company, uh, music-related. So there still is a camp in Atlanta. Uh, I think it's actually, uh, um, I think in Woodstock or... Rome, somewhere north of Atlanta now, but uh, several locations around the country. And it was, you know, I have to tell you, Kristen, it was one of the most um, enjoyable and gratifying things that I ever did to oh, to, work with, to work with these young kids, giving them the opportunity to be in a band. Uh, you yeah, know, the thing was that I realized there were a lot of what, what I called closet musicians and they would there would be these kids sitting at home by themselves in their room playing their guitar in the basement with their drums and they weren't able to network with other kids with the same uh, like-minded interests in music yeah uh, so we gave them that opportunity and to let them network with each other you know back when when I was growing up and playing music you didn't have a lot of choices you, you played music or you went outside and hit a ball with a stick, and that was about it. But you didn't have you didn't have video games, and you didn't have soccer leagues on every corner. And there were just too many um, opportunities for kids to find their passion here and there. So it was hard for them to, to play music. And to see them, I mean, it was like looking at myself in the mirror when I was 11 or 12 or 13 years old, seeing these kids and the passion um, in their face that just they couldn't wait to – to um, count to four and, and gear it up. Uh, and it was, it was a great te- team building experience for them because I always said that as for being in a band, you walk on stage and you count to four and the game begins. Uh, we're not c- calling out you know uh, chords or verbally, we're just looking and listening. And uh, if anybody drops the proverbial ball, the whole team loses and that's what being in a band is all about. So uh if you never do it professionally you take those those skills uh through life with you hopefully and um uh and Absolutely. still play on weekends. Yeah.
1: Oh sure. Absolutely yeah, it was a lot of so fun.
0: Yay. So are you are you are you um are you touring now?
2: I'm just doing uh, not touring so to speak. I'm uh, doing um first of all, just a clip notes version is um okay. i was invited I was invited to uh, several years back to um become a member of the rock and roll Hall of fame band, so the rock and roll Hall of Fame of course in Cleveland and I was uh playing and doing performances up there with with Liberty and will Lee from the Letterman band and um Ricky Bird from the Black Hearts, Rob Arthur from Peter frampton's band and um and it was it was really a lot of fun because for their events we would back up artists from all the way back to Ronnie Spector and Mitch Ryder to um, Don Felder from the Eagles, and it was, um, was awesome. it was yeah it was just a great experience um, getting to that level of being able to perform with. Your some of your your heroes, you know your idols. So as a result of that, a lot of, we stayed together, and we still do a lot of corporate events together, but we do a lot of charity events as well. We just did yeah. uh, a big event that we do every year in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, a children's charity for a um, a shelter, a children's shelter for at-risk kids, and we started it. Twelve years ago, or they started it. Twelve years ago, I, I came. Up, I was involved with it um, just a year after it started, and it's gone from um, uh, a grassroots event in a parking lot under a tent with some acoustic guitars into a full-blown rock show. And uh, this last October, and in, in three days, they raised a half a million dollars for the, this charity. So. That's fun, and, and now people are waiting in line. Some of my friends and colleagues are waiting in line to, to be invited. So, yeah, this year, Peter Stroud, um, who is Sheryl uh, Crow's guitar player, Damon Johnson, who was uh-huh. with, with uh, Alice Cooper and Thin Lizzy, was there, Jeff Adams from the Starship, uh, Danny oh, Seraph from Chicago, Jim Peter from Survivor, Wally Palmer from uh, the Romantics, and, and the list goes on and on. So it's, yeah, it's a wonderful event. And it gives us all an opportunity to, to put on a show together. So we're, we're doing a lot of that, uh, at this point in time, uh, as far as getting Can on a bus ask... and, and going out for four or five weeks, eight weeks at a time. Nah, that's a young man's sport. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. Can I ask you one more question? You bet you. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So, I kind of sing around Atlanta and everything. And um, one of the things that I, I would just love to to know about is, and something that I think is just such a value, is talking to somebody who has been in the business, who has been successful, and their take on what makes you successful as, you know, not only a performer but also as a person to work with. Like, it's great that you can play these shows and everything with all of these um, with the performers like Cheryl Crow, guitarist. So, what keeps people? What makes people keep you in mind when doing these things? And 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 what what would be your advice for for people to um, to, to to be able to succeed in such a, a kind of a crazy business?
3: Well,
2: and yeah, there's probably a, a thousand different answers to that question, but one thing that we learned um, very, very early in our careers when we first started um, was that whenever you perform whenever you play, you've got to always remember that you've got to play just as hard and perform just as um, just as credibly if there's one person person sitting out there or if there's twenty thousand people um yeah. That one that one person paid good money to come hear you, and if you can't win them, then what right do you have to uh, to uh, you know win a following? Uh, and we learned a lot of, of that from from Skinner, Quite frankly, I mean Ronnie Van Zant was uh, one of those people that um, you know loved the music, but loved what their music how it affected people, what it did. For to the, their, their audience uh, and yeah. you think off an audience I mean it's very true but the the main thing is you just you can never say oh god there's nobody here tonight we're just going to you know we're going to play 50% 60% you've got to play like you're playing Wembley Stadium um, yeah and, and, that makes sense. and people you can't fool people you know they'll, they'll they know it they know it and uh, yeah uh, your reputation will will build from that, and uh, yeah. and be a nice person. Try to anyway.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I felt that too. Being on stage, where you know people they they can tell if you're phoning it in, or if you are. in, in like when I'm when off stage, I can tell when somebody is. I don't know. I, I kind of covet that that stage time is really hard to get so as an artist i look at the stage and i look and then i think about that person performing and i'm a little bit i can't help but be a, a little bit jealous like i don't want them i don't want them to have a demise but are they really utilizing that stage a hundred percent you know are they really giving me and as the audience all, you know, all they got, because as an audience member, I want to give all of my support to them.
2: Sure, sure. Well, you just said something. You know, it's a, are they phoning it in? And that's that's a really good description, because you can tell. You know, there's got to be something honest about a performance, but also, yeah, you know, whatever level you're at, as, or uh, whatever level that you might be at as far as a uh, performer goes, you're still revered by the audience. I mean, you're up there. You're you're. Yeah, and so you, there's that fine line between connecting with them and saying, hey, I'm just like you, but I've got something to say. Um, and yeah. you do, you know, there's 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 that that personality. Uh, that's it, it's hard to define. Everybody's got a different a different stick. But when you do it, you got to make it real. And like you said, you can't just phone it in. You gotta you gotta put it out.
0: Yay! Thank you. Hey, well, thank you're you're you so welcome. very much. Put thank you, Madam President.
1: Yeah, thanks so uh, much. Have a great night. We've got somebody else who's on hold. I know they've got an 802 area code, and I've tried to uh, bring them in. I'm not sure if they knew that I was talking to them. Uh, can you hear me any better now? I can. Okay, good, good, good. Um, by the way, a couple of things. Uh, Your and eight oh two with the four six three, and I won't say the rest of the number. Uh, if you're there, you are next. If you're, as you seem to still be here, and I really appreciate it, and so does Jeff. Um, your friend, and hopefully mine, Ricky Bird. Uh-huh. He's recording tonight, finishing up his uh, latest CD or his new upcoming CD. Right. Uh, another one that he's selling for his. Um, uh, you know, take around to um, people who were in, in rehab or different types of substance abuse, and he was on here talking about the first one. He said he was in. Uh, he's anyways recording tonight, or else he'd call. But he wants you to know that he knows you think he's the funniest Jewish guitarist. <laughs> that you know, but he said to let you know he's also half Italian, so you gotta add that into the mix. Okay?
2: You know, you got me on a technicality. I did actually know that. I just forgot. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, I'm sure Ricky's just not going to be holding a grudge about it, but uh, at least he's got that point in there. Also, um, oh, let's see, there was somebody else. Oh, Tobias McCurry messaged in, because some people can't always call because they're driving or they're at a job where they can't get on the phone or they're flying. Tobias McCurry is flying, and I don't know, you know, who he is. Did you ever see a TV show, it was a competition show called Steampunked, where different steampunk makers build things in competition. No, uh-uh. he is very well known for that, and he's a—he uh, builds things like he's got these spring, uh, spring form things you put underneath your shoes so you can leap like a kangaroo everywhere, and he makes all kind of stuff for TV shows and such. So um, different props. Anyway, he said, "I'm on a plane, or else I'd be calling in." I am so glad he's on your show, so he could still listen, but he's afraid that the. He doesn't want to mess up the pilot, I guess. But oh, that's uh, great! Tobias is—he's a fan. Hello. Also, Peter, you mentioned Peter Stroud. Back in the uh, late '80s, early '90s, I had a television show on cable in uh, Atlanta, and I remember I would tell every band that came on, I'd say, "Now let's plan the show, get it done, and I want you to make a show that you know that we're both proud of, and one that you could use." As an audit just send if you wanted to be on some other show, or if you were doing an audition for somebody, we want to be that good, so it was Peter Strad he'd come on with some different people before, but on this particular show, I said, peter let's make something that you would send out for an audition, and dang if he didn't, and then went on with uh, Cheryl Crow and on and on, so I was very proud of him
2: yeah peter Peter's fantastic and and just uh, uh certainly one of the the best guitar players I've ever had the opportunity to play with. Uh, but just such a, such a sweetheart of a guy. And uh, uh, he's always positive. Um, always you know looking forward. Hey, what can we do? Uh, what can we do next? And we don't, we don't obviously don't get the chance to play that often with each other. But if there's something that uh, he's available for us, Hey, Peter, you want to do this thing? He said, yeah, man, sure. It'll be great. Um, and he's just a joy to be around. Um, at the same time, he now is. at this point, um, you know all the people that um, that I invite to uh, do some of these events, I have to enjoy being around them because that's what it's all about now. It's um, why do something if uh, you can be in a real band if you want to if you want to argue with people. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's, it's being
2: make believe bands, but now Pete. Peter's fantastic and just a consummate musician. Uh, yeah, and he did some great stuff with Henley too as well and uh so many so
1: many good things. Yeah, okay, so the caller messaged me that was that was on the line. They said they they don't want to they, you know, they're too shy to talk, they just wanted to listen. Okay, that's fine. And if you and if you want to talk, just message me again and let me know. Uh Jeff is obviously very easy to talk with. So and Thank you to him and thank you to Will. So, yeah, thanks for giving um, advice to uh, another musician about performing. Um, I've, I've told people when when I've worked as, as a publicist or something, or when people ask me, I say, you know, I mean, I haven't, of course, I'm nowhere near what you've experienced, Jeff, but I tell them if there's only three people there, make them feel like they're Elvis and they've rented out the whole place and you're doing it just for them.
2: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you have to do that. I mean, you, you can you can call it. Some people say, "Well, that's acting." Well, that, that's why that's why you get Oscars. If you're a good actor, you can reach a lot of people and convince them that that uh, that it's real what's happening. And but the thing is, with music, you have to enjoy playing music. That's that's the greatest thrill. That if you can reach that one person and give them an experience that one evening. Or for that one song it's That's what it's all about And um, yeah <laughs>
1: Okay <laughs> Alright So um, what's the strangest thing That's ever happened to you in a gig I used to have a thing on my TV show Where I'd ask people to tell me some strange road story um, And it might be because Maybe the car overheated So they stopped and had lunch By putting a pot of water on the radiator To make ramen um, <laughs> What's <laughs> I can't remember what Peter's story was, but I know it was a good one. Um, what's one of the some of the funniest things that you would put definitely put into a if you were having a TV show about your life with 38 special big people anything. Uh what would be one of the funniest things happening on on a tour on the road?
2: Oh gosh. Uh so many different things. I don't know whether anybody would think they were funny.
3: <laughs> Maybe
2: just me, <laughs> who knows? People didn't believe when we first started a 38 special that um, we would go out and we had a Ford Econoline van. When we were first starting, and we paid ourselves two dollars and fifty cents a day per diem, and um, so we would usually take two dollars of it or two and a quarter and go eat once a day somewhere like a um, uh, an S&S cafeteria or you know a mom and pop. A meat and three place, and then we'd chip in the last quarter that we had, and we would buy a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and jelly, and when we' finished the gig and get back to the hotel we would um we would uh, uh, we'd have a sandwich, you know, and that was it, and people just didn't believe that's that you lived on yeah yeah, we did fine. so one day we were we decided we'd splurge, and we were going to go to a McDonald's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ooh. And uh, have a late oh yeah that was going to be you know, big time, and um, oh. so we're the standing Goal in line. We were playing club. <laughs> <laughs> right, we were playing <laughs> at this place called the Lizard Creek Ballroom, and it was a, a happening club in Charlotte. And um, so I'm with Steve Brookins and uh, one of our drummers, and um, I think maybe maybe our bass player at the time. And we're standing in line. We hear these, these uh, couple of kids in front of us saying, "Hey, you're going to go to Lizard Creek tonight." I said, "Why? What's going on?" He goes, "Oh man, you're not going to believe it. The place is going to be packed out." So all of a sudden, you know, we're <laughs> inflating our chest thinking, "All right, man, it, <laughs> you know, our reputation has preceded us, whatever reputation <laughs> that is." But um, and so the guy goes really why what's going on and we're waiting for them to say oh man this killer band's playing so he goes he goes why is everybody going to be there he goes oh man he goes they're going to have a 38 cent special on all drinks tonight
3: <laughs> 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 and sure
2: enough the place was packed and it had .38 special on the, on the, on the on plate, but, that was just 38 cents of drinks um <laughs> One of the most embarrassing things that happened to me, um, uh, and this was with 38 uh, as well, was we would have we had a rule that if anybody fell down on stage, um, to avoid them being embarrassed, everyone would fall down (laughs) at the same time. And
1: well, whoa, 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 wait, 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 whoa! There's already a rule in place in case somebody falls down? That was something that you said, the, the foresight to know well, the I, I, I,
2: <laughs> I guess maybe somebody had to get it started. It's okay from now on, guys. Uh, if that happens again, everybody just fall down and, and uh, make it look like it's part of the show. So anyway, <laughs> I, we're, and I don't remember where it was, but it was a, a big arena, you know, a 20,000-seat arena, and I'm running across the stage, and all of a sudden – uh, it turns into a Sam Peckinpah movie. and you know, everything goes to slow motion, and you're trying to catch yourself, and you know, you know that it's, it's useless. It's pointless. You're going down, and it's not going to be pretty. So sure enough, I went down, hit the stage, and ten yards later, I finally stopped sliding, and uh, and I looked up, flat on my back. And everybody's just staring at me. Nobody went down.
1: <laughs>
2: so I reached up to the first, uh, to Don Barnes, first guy, I could, and I grabbed him and pulled him down.
1: <laughs>
2: so anyway, I, I get up and, and uh, I figure, well, maybe nobody noticed. Yeah, sure, you see the whole first three front rows just pointing, laughing. And uh, anyway, after the show, it's like, hey, guys, what about the rule? He goes, oh, that was last month. We didn't. We're not doing that this month.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, that was cold. That was cold blooded. Yeah. No,
2: that was cold. That. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was, you know, a lot of different things happened. Um, um, big people. I don't <laughs> think there was anything that was particularly funny that I can, you know, really remember that anybody could relate to. But um, yeah, things things happen all the time um on the road,
1: uh,
2: <laughs> that's just all, all part of it
1: i just i think that was when um when one of the first musicians I ever had on the show was another guy I'm sure you know Rudy sarzo oh yeah and and we was um in his I know that in his book, Off the Rails, which was about touring with Ozzy, talking about the the tricks people would play on each other. And I think he had been asleep or passed out on the bus. Somebody shaved his head and died. Of course, this was back when everybody wasn't doing that. So they, part of it was shaved, part of it was dyed. He gets out, stumbles into the diner where they are and sees people staring at him. He doesn't know, and he said, right then I made up my mind. If I'm going to make it, if I'm going to make something out of myself and have a career, i got to stay sober around these people. <laughs> yeah, right. Well,
2: he's, a, he's a great guy.
1: <laughs> he is, he is. I think he and his wife do a lot of uh, work as animal uh rights and care activists hey let me ask you too about your uh you've got a book uh that you wrote about to applying i think principles of uh of, of what makes a band successful but makes a uh, can make a business you said amp your team and rock your business uh you wrote mm-hmm. that with dan lipson would you tell us a yeah, little about think- that
2: the 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 way that came about it was during the the years uh Dan was my partner with Camp Jam um and I had uh before every concert uh at the end of the week for the camps I would uh <clears throat> address the audience and and the parents there and talking about which I just mentioned uh, uh earlier about team building and how being in a band is one of the most um beneficial things you can do even if you don't stay with music but just taking those lessons through life um, as far as people don't listen to other people enough and that's one thing you have to do when you're playing music you have to listen, you use your ears to listen to music but you also listen to to ideas and, and <clears throat> there may be a leader of a band um, or the band might be a full democracy but everybody has to listen to each other so uh, as I said before you, you don't get a second chance when you're on stage. Uh, to You don't get a, a, a third quarter or an overtime. If you're behind, once you drop the ball, you lose. Um, and so those lessons um, in life are very important. And I was doing this spiel, and this, I um, uh, can't remember his name, came up and he says, have you ever thought about writing a book? I said, and the first thing I thought was, what well, nobody wants to hear my story and everybody's written enough books about they want to hear about the backstage stuff and all the uh you know, the sex drugs and rock and sex drugs and rock and roll stories and uh, i'm not i don't care about that it's been done so no, no 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 i'm talking about uh the business aspects of what it's like to play in a band because you guys are businessmen, and you have to run it like a business so that's where the book came from that was the idea I said you know I'd be interested in doing something like that so um, yeah it's a combination of, of stories and life on the road and I think the you know, the, the peanut butter and jelly story is in there um, mm-hmm. but also things that you have to do um, and decisions that you have to make for the betterment of everybody um, you, you you have to sometimes be uh, brutally honest, or as we say, ruthlessly honest sometime with decisions in the studio uh, and songwriting um, so that you don't, because you don't get too many opportunities to fail in this business, especially today. Uh, we were luckier back back then in the, uh, in the 70s and 80s, record companies, especially A&M Records that was our record label, uh, you would get a second or a third chance. But you know now today um, if if you do a record and it's fairly successful, there were stories about someone would come out of the box and they'd sell a million records and the next record record they'd sell uh, half a million well, they'd drop them because as well they're on they're going the wrong way, so you know those were back then you would have to make decisions that would keep you um, on top, keep you hungry and keep you aware of uh, aware of what your next um, opportunity was and potential success. So uh, that's what the book is, really is more about and I mean there's some funny anecdotes in there uh, but there are some kind of behind the scenes things of what we had to do with 38 special on many occasions to to uh, maintain um, the success that we had and you know when you look back at, it was good that we did because we ended up I don't know selling 20 million albums or uh, records over the years um and a career that basically uh the original band for 22 years together. That's on her. Yeah.
1: Our friend Kristen uh Kristen Lashley's back on the line with us uh Kristen. Okay. Kristen, you still here? All right. Um Tell me what it was like to be part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
2: Well, that was that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I was like a, a kid in a candy shop uh, when I was invited to do it. <laughs> Liberty DeVito gave me the call, and um, uh, he told me uh, who was going to be he told involved. Told me who was going to be, he told involved. Me who gonna be involved. Who was going to be, oh, be oh, Who was going to be oh, involved? Who was be oh, wow, that was strange. Did you hear that?
1: Yeah, that was weird. Okay. Anyway, um All right. I'll, I can't wait until the impeachment's over. Can <laughs> we get our bandwidth <laughs> back? <laughs> okay.
2: So, uh you know, all of a sudden, uh, I'm playing with some phenomenal musicians. I mean, Paul Lee and I mean, um Will Lee and Paul Schaefer, uh along with That's when I that's when I met Ricky Byrd as well. Uh Oh, uh, yeah. That was our the first time uh, Liberty knew him, and they had done some stuff together with the Hit Squad. But he goes, "You're going to love Ricky; he's great guy." So here, Ricky and I are playing guitars, Rob Arthur on keyboards, and um, with um, with Will Lee and Paul Schaefer. And you yeah, know, the first uh, the the, hall, the Rock Hall had a thing called the Spring Gala, which was a fundraiser, and they would inv- invite all these different artists in over a period of like four decades, somebody from the 50s, from the 60s, the 70s. So in the very first show I did, you had uh, Tom Cochran from Red Rider um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Sam the Sham. So it's like all of a sudden, I'm up there and I'm playing Wooly Bully with Sam the Sham. It's like, how cool <laughs> is that? And it, what made it cooler was I still had a a scrapbook at home that my mom would keep things uh, pictures and memorabilia from all the bands that I had in, in uh, as I was growing up and my very first band I was 13 or 14 uh, 13 years old I guess and the set list was still there and it had Wooly Bully on it and so <laughs> I mean it was like surreal and <laughs> You know, so you're meeting these people, and then the next guy comes up, and it's it's uh, Mitch Ryder, and I'm he's going, oh, and he's telling us, you know, about uh, a certain song that we're going to do with Devil with a Blue Dress or Jenny Take a Ride or whatever, and said, "Dude, we know this. We we grew up on this. We can play this stuff with our eyes closed." And he goes, "I didn't think I made that much of a difference." I said, "Oh, you don't you don't get it, you know." It's, uh, <laughs> oh. So that was that was so much fun and then some of these uh iconic um, uh, artists from um, Darlene Love and um uh, uh, yeah. uh, Ronnie Spector and we did that for five years and I guess yeah, I guess it was five years. Um, <clears throat> some of the highlights, uh playing with Mavis Staples was was phenomenal. the uh-huh. um, uh, oh god everybody from uh Chuck Jackson to, um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh gosh, da, 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 the guy that. Uh, yeah, I'll think of it in a second.
1: Give me a hint. Little word, two words.
2: Um, <laughs> the the stroke. Um,
1: gosh.
2: you remember that song, The Stroke?
1: Uh uh oh, uh, Clarence Carter? No. Um. No. Somebody, oh, call no, no. <laughs> Somebody, let me see. Okay, okay, we got a caller. You know who did the song The Stroke? Kristen? Um, Julian
0: Casablanca?
1: Anybody? Julian Casablanca? I who? don't know. Yeah, Julian
0: Casablanca? Julian Casablanca was the lead, uh, was the lead no, singer the of The Strokes.
2: Oh how about um Billy? Hey, something? I tried to help. Oh, no. <laughs> Billy Squire. Billy Squire, thank you. I got the Billy. Yay! Okay. Yay! Billy Squire. <laughs> Tone Loke, I mean all these incredible you know, different artists. So that was a great experience. And and for me, um, you know, not having just come out of thirty years of playing <laughs> My songs or, or 38 songs all of a sudden learning these other songs and working with these other musicians and reading charts was a great education for me. And uh, I just, I really enjoyed doing that a lot. And uh, as a result, you know, there were some friendships, um, a lot of friendships that were, uh, that were made during that period of time that we've maintained. I mean, Liberty DeVito and I are still very close. Ricky, as we mentioned, Ricky Bird. Um, and now they're, we're doing things together for different uh, uh, charities or corporate functions and what have you.
1: But I see these pictures on your website in the photo gallery of uh, yeah, the, the, from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band there, and you guys look great. Which to me means I mean you look good anyway, but you, you, you kind of radiate a sense of this has been fun. This felt good.
2: Well, it really did. It really did. And again, I, I've never, I've never gotten jaded as far as, uh, oh, so what? Yeah, it's this guy. I mean, I'm like a little kid. because I mean, I'm not exaggerating. To 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 all of a sudden meet Sam the Sham, and play Little Red oh, Riding Hood yeah. and Wooly Bully. It was like, how good does that get? Or, or, you know, like I said, um, uh, playing uh, Devil with a Blue Dress. With Mitch Ryder, uh, oh, I mean that's man, like yeah. rock and roll icon. And of yeah. course, these are the people that I learned from. These are the people that, in my impressionable uh, years and days growing up in the '60s, these were the cats, you know. And yeah. you want to do a good. You want to do a good job for them. It's rock and roll history, which is, which is what the Hall of Fame is all about, anyway. So, uh, you know, they chose us to be the um, the the machine to um, to present them at these shows. So that was, yeah, it was fantastic. It was really, yeah. really good. Cool. You know,
1: Paul, and, Paul Schaefer's got a good book, too. It's called We'll Be Here the Rest of Our Lives. And, oh, and by the way, Donna Neal, your pal, uh, uh-huh. she was trying to – she sent in about four messages, Billy Squire, Billy Squire, Billy Squire, a while ago while we were trying to guess. So thank you, Donna. I've got to give you some love. And I have another question that somebody uh, from Arizona messaged in because they can't call on their job. Uh, James Spring, um, he's out there in Tucson, and he said, Jeff, with your book, uh, what's one of the most important lessons you would have for a new business team or even teams outside the office for being a tighter, more trusting group? Well, that's a good question.
2: Uh, it actually is. And I guess I, I, I mentioned it before, but it's to listen to everybody's ideas, to listen to what everybody's saying, and to listen, and not to just say, okay, you guys listen to me um, there there's always there always has to be a leader, but everybody has an idea, and um, there were times just in songwriting where someone would suggest something, and at first I'd go, "Ooh, I don't know about that and then later on it goes, "You know what I think that's going to work that's that's great um you know it's really grown on me there was the bridge to hold on loosely, for example, when Jim Peter at first came up with that, it's like I just didn't get it, but I gave it a chance so you have to listen to what people's ideas are, and if they and if you do listen, even if you say, "Well, that's not going to work," or "That didn't work," uh, or "We can't use that idea," you've at least given them a shot, and that that motivates people to be productive.
1: You know, one of the things that you um uh, think I uh, might have mentioned before. Uh, I always tell people in, in PR, you know, you got to trust me because i got to find each piece of what you do and take that side of the puzzle piece and match it somewhere else to get your promotion. And I remember once, and this still stuck in my mind because it was the most beautiful picture. Uh, it was when Atlanta Zoo got pandas. <laughs> and it was a big picture in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution of you and your beautiful daughter surrounded by, I don't know how many pandas, uh... Your daughter had what? A couple of hundred?
2: At least.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have that? Well, Does she still love pandas? Yeah. Well, it
2: started out. It was when she was uh, when she was very young. I mean, basically an infant. Uh, someone gave her a panda as her first, you know, stuffed animal, first plush bear, and she bonded to it. So it became this thing that. Um, Uh, we started collecting pandas. And it went on for years. And when I'd go on the road, I'd find things in flea markets and antique shops and whatever, and bring them home. And if she and I would go out and uh, we were trained like radar, like anything that was black and white. And it was either a cow or a panda. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) so it it really, and then with the advent of uh, computers and eBay, Uh, or or eBay on the computers, it's it's like, okay, now we've got this whole new store that we can shop in. So we ended up collecting, I'd say now we probably have between uh, 1,000 and 1,500 artifacts. Uh, And the majority of them are no longer the the plush uh, stuffed pandas that's just what started it. Now is, there's jewelry, there's artwork, there's uh, toys from China, uh, just unbelievable things. And that that lasted until she was about 25, and then we finally said, "All right, let's we better slack off now."
3: <laughs> but um, <laughs>
2: yeah, now, well, that was a fun thing when they, when they did the article in the paper. Uh, they just gravitated toward that. Said, "Okay, we got to have you with the pandas." It's like. I think you are going to, like, say, set up the guitars or something or the, you know, something rock and roll. But no, it's Jeff Carlisi and his – he and his daughter's Panda collection. Uh, I still have that. Wow. Uh, that newspaper. Yeah, That was fun. That was fun.
1: Well, by the way, uh, uh, Greg Boutillier from uh, Music Atlanta just sent me a picture of big people. And it's not a studio. It's like uh, you guys hanging outside uh, – outdoors somewhere. So I'm going to take that and put it out on Instagram and, and uh, uh, Twitter and everywhere. It looks good. And um, I've got another question for you from James, but I think he's leaving work. But James, it's, about, it's a follow-up on your on your book. So I'm going to say, James, get the book. Uh, by the way, you can get it on Amazon. You can go to his website, which is jeffcarlisi.com. How easy can you get? Uh, jeffcarlisi.com. And in case for the people, like I said, who are flying or riding or, or uh, can't write it down, I'll be sharing that website address on all of my social media, as well as where to buy the book and everything else that you want. Everything Jeff Carlisi, 38 Special, big people, uh, anything you could want, I'll be sharing where you can get it. And uh, I, I know I've taken up more time with you than I told you I would, but you're just so much fun and uh just had a great time. Thank you so much, Jeff. Please come back. You got you got any parting words for the people?
2: Well, first of all, Madam Perry, I want to thank you for making this fun and especially for for all the folks that that called in and uh and chatted. I really enjoyed it. Um it means oh, okay. a lot to me just to uh, know that uh that the music's made a difference and and um any insight that I might have might have made a difference as well. That's always always gratifying. <laughs>
1: um, hey, people love you. Oh, oh, also I also had a message from Moses Mo of Mother's Finest. Oh yeah, he's working on something. Yeah, yeah. He said something. He was going to try to break away from uh, somebody. He was doing some recordings tonight, and he says, "Oh my God!" <laughs> and he even had other people call me today to say, if he doesn't call you tonight, please. I almost forgot. Please tell Jeff Moses Mo. Said hello. Uh,
2: well, that's so cool. Uh, right right back at you. Uh, okay. Yeah, great. Do you
1: feel loved, just Carly? Do you just feel loved?
2: I'm sorry. Say again?
1: I guess, do you just feel loved?
2: <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs>
1: okay. I do. And i got to come back you. on the and show and feel you. some more. <laughs> I would be delighted. Maybe, you know, uh, Casim Sultans, they threatened to do, or maybe it was him, or was it Rudy threatened to have just an all-base show. But I don't know. I think we're just going to have to have a, a, just a a cool, well, everybody I know is cool. We just have the cool people. And I am so grateful to you for being so generous with your time, for me and my listeners. And yes, please, Do come back and we wish you the best of everything forever.